0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God.
1: Now there is a peace available that you must enter into so that you can be sustained and blessed in the days ahead. For even now, the enemy has a strategy against the people of God, the children of his house to confuse their minds and to cause great show me that again Lord I don't see that oh I see that for a great shadow to try to cover the glorious outbreak of life and life that is beginning so beware and be forewarned and enter into that peace by the confession of your mouth and by the actions of your heart And you shall see it shall garrison your mind and your soul. And you shall not be swept away with the thoughts of the ungodly and the unrighteous. But you shall sustain yourself in righteousness and be blessed of the Lord all the days of these last perilous times. Thank you, Jesus. Now lift your hands and thank you. That's interesting. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus by the confession of our mouth we say the chastisement of our peace was upon it the chastisement of our peace the deliverance of our soul you said in psalms 23 the redemptive chapter the church chapter the lord is our shepherd we shall not want you make us to lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our soul. Thank you that our soul will not be tainted by the negative narratives of this world system. But we'll stay strong in the Lord and the power of His mind. Turn our eyes upon Jesus and Him alone. Stand in the power of His Word. Thank you for it thank you for it in Jesus name. And everyone says? Amen. Amen. That was good. Glory to God. Isn't God good? Praise God. You may be seated this evening. Welcome. Island Church. Biggest little church in the world. Because we serve the biggest God there is. You ever just think about God? I was thinking about God today. And I was thinking about all the other so-called gods. But you know, they don't have any, there, there was no longevity in them. They all lived out lives like mortal men upon the earth. Amen? And then basically, their, their followers deified them. That's how they became gods. Their followers, whether it be Muhammad or Buddha, or I don't know how many of the Hindu, there's millions of Hindu gods, man. But the, the, the followers deified. them. But here's the thing, God was God before man ever existed. Our God God is from the the beginning to the end, the first, the last. Uh, Listen, He is omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, amen, and no other God can stand before Him. Aren't you glad? Well, we welcome you tonight. We're glad you're here, coming in for a praise. God, got a good Wednesday uh, uh, injection of faith and power. Hallelujah. Praise God. Have any givers this evening as we... As we receive our Wednesday night offering. Jeremiah chapter 29. Very familiar for- portion of scripture. Sometimes not, not, not used for offering. But could be. Amen. Verse 11 says. For I know the thoughts. That I think. Toward you. Wow. Did you know God thinks about you? Let me try that again. God is speaking here. He says. For I know. The thoughts that I think toward you. I heard one guy say this. He said, yeah, he said, I always thought God was trying to kill me. So I was doing my best to try to hide from him. But that's not the kind of, you know, people think, well, I tell you, every bad thing ever happened in my life because of God, God did it to me. Well, that's the biggest lie the devil ever told. Amen. Amen. Now listen to what it says. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Wow to give you an expected end. I like it amplified. It says, I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear your voice and I will listen to you then with deep longing you will seek me and require me as vital and necessary and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Wow. Now first say, you're not ever going to search for a God with all your heart that you think's trying to kill you. <laughs> you're going to do your best to hide from Him, amen. But once you figure out God's a good God, Good yet one good yes, praise God. Let me try that again. That God's a good God, yes. not a mean God. Not trying to hurt you, not trying to harm you. John 10, 10 is the dividing line of what is of God and what is not of God. The Bible says the thief. How many know who the thief is? He comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, i am come that you might have life. That'd be enough, because that word is the word zoe, which is the God kind of life. But you might have it in abundance. So God wants you to have abundant life through Jesus Christ. So God's got plans for you. He's thinking about those plans. Amen. So that means if God's got plans for you, He's got money plans. So He's thinking about money plans. So I like for Him to think good thoughts about my money. My money's happy. My money's obedient. My money's submissive. Nobody can tell it what it can or cannot do. And even the value of the money doesn't determine its worth. How can you say that? Because my money's supernatural and unnatural. Come on church, y'all need to get a hold of this. That's how God thinks about it. Why don't we think about it that way? You say, well, how can you? Well, I tithe, I offer, I give. And you know, Sunday was so cool because it demonstrated something we had not seen here in a long time. You say, what is that? It's one of those offerings where your right hand does not know what your left hand is doing. Spontaneous Automatic, and I asked uh, Brother Allen, uh, you know, you get a good offering. says, man, this awesome offering, awesome offering, spontaneous, right on the spot. Right hand doesn't know what your left hand. Did you know God thinks about that? Thinks that's good. That's good. I got my little servant from Turkey some money over there at Island Church. Isn't that good? So he's thinking good thoughts about money from Island Church. Amen. Not only that, we'll here in just a few weeks we'll be able to send Pastor Christopher Alam about $30,000 to finance a crusade. Did you know God's thinking good thoughts about that? Praise God. And then here in a couple of weeks we'll have a mission Sunday and we'll fund ministry all over the world. You know God thinks good thoughts about that? Did you know we have no debt upon the church? We owe no man nothing but to love him. Amen. You know God thinks good thoughts about that? You know, the church is healthy financially, amen. All of our bills get paid. All of our debts are retired, just like we confess. Yeah. Did you know God thinks good thoughts about that? And the reason He thinks good thoughts about that, He knows, if he, knows he knows, that if you ever figure out He's the one behind it, yeah. you're going to seek Him with all of your heart. You're going to ask, and He's going to give you what you desire. Yeah. So there's a little more to an offering than just, quote, raising money or making a donation. No, it's how we worship God with our living and with our life. And I'll tell you one thing. Leah and I have lived this life for 36 years into our 37th year. And I'm telling you, it has been one of the most glorious lives. Years ago, we didn't have the near money in our hands as we do now. But we still say, where's Leah here? Did she leave? Oh, there you are, way back there on Backsliders Road. Glory to God. We used to say, when we didn't have anything, and we'd in some foreign country, some, you know, preaching the gospel and wondered how we got here in the first place. And we'd look at each other and we'd be somewhere in some nation somewhere and we'd say, isn't it awesome to, to live like millionaires and not have to worry about all the money? It was. Amen. Well, still, we got a little more money now. We still don't worry about it because it ain't ours anyway. It belongs to the Lord. Amen? You Ready to give this evening? Let's let God think some good thoughts about this offering. Amen. Glory to God. Let's hold it up, make our confession of faith. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the seed you place in my hand. Willingly and obediently I sow it into the kingdom of God, thanking you, Lord, that it comes back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I claim every dime that I may need to meet my needs, and I claim increase, 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 and abundance above that. Devil, in the name of Jesus, get your hands off of my finances. Heavenly Father, I thank you. According to your word, angels are released on my behalf, bringing back to me that which my faith appropriates in Jesus' name. All my bills are paid. All my debts are retired. We claim every dime we need to preach the gospel here on the island and around the world. Thank you Lord for our new building. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We can bring your offerings to the altar. Hallelujah. Hey. We love love Pastor Pastor.
0: Pastor. 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 Thank you for praying for my family. Thank you for being a good example for me. Thank you for giving us a place to see our friends. Thank you for my parents teaching me right and wrong. Thank you for being the best pastors in the world. Thank you for teaching us how to listen to God's voice. Thank you for telling us your crazy stories. How <laughs> Island Church, here are a few quick announcements for the week. Don't forget, tomorrow night, At 7 p.m. here at the church, we'll be having our pastoral prayer. We encourage you to join our church family and our pastors in prayer. If you're between the ages of 16 and 25, we invite you to revive on Friday nights at 8 p.m. here at the church. During this service, we pray, teach the word, and break off into small groups, and it's a wonderful night of fellowship. We invite you guys to come. This Sunday, November the 6th, we have our worship and prayer service. We encourage all of you to join us here for that wonderful night of worship and prayer here at the church. Also, don't forget, Daylight Savings ends on November the 6th at 2 a.m. So the night before, just be prepared to set your clocks back an hour so you can be here on time on Sunday. Island Church, enjoy the rest of the service. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you this Sunday.
1: Praise the Lord. Book of Matthew this evening, 20, chapter 27. Now we're going to begin to get into some things some of the most powerful revelation of the Bible. Actually, the most powerful revelation of the Bible. The foundation of its reality takes place in a short period of time upon the earth between the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and the throne He sat down on at the right hand of the Father after what He Himself described as His passion, or as His joy, which was to go to the cross. Now, we're going to bounce back and forth Old Covenant Gospels, letters to the church. And we're going to see in the Word of God this common thread of redemption that is running. And I was amazed as a young Bible school student back in the early 80s, of course, I was in a large church. The church was a pretty good-sized church up in Houston. But I figured that the knowledge you know, of, of what we're fixing to teach on here in the next few days, that this has to be something preeminent in all of Christianity, and it's absolutely not. I was very shocked to find out that the majority of, the, of Christianity, if you tell them you believe like I teach, or like I'm going to teach you in the next few few weeks, they'll say you're a heretic. Now understand this also, that all of the denominations upon the earth come from two different schools. They come from two different men that came out of the same school over 200 years ago, came out of a, 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 a theological seminary in Germany. And one of them went the way of, of, of predestination, that God has already set every step, every move, every person that will ever get saved, every person that won't get saved, everything that happens, He's already set it up. And then once, he, once creation started, He just tipped it over and it's all falling like dominoes and there's nothing you can really do. If you're chosen to be born again, then you need to rejoice because God chose you to go to heaven. But if you're not chosen, too bad, you're going to burn forever in hell. So they went that direction, and many of our denominations now have their foundation is in Calvinism, Baptist denomination, Methodist denomination, but more and more have backed away from it, but not toward this. They backed away toward it, toward softer doctrines, denying the name of Jesus, not talking about the blood, refuting the, the virgin birth, things like that, but still claiming to be Christian or Christianity. And, and, the, and then many of them, now the Baptists still teach the new birth, But but I think there's only one or two other denominations that would be categorized as Calvinistic that actually teach the new birth. How can you be a church and teach people that you don't have to get born again? That you can just be good enough? I mean, but but they're huge, massive organizations. Huge corporations. Do you understand that? The, the Southern Baptist Convention is a huge corporation. Amen. And you know what's amazing about that? About that? You, know, you know it's supposed to be Christian but it's segregated. Every denomination is full of segregation. It's one of the most amazing. Why, why don't they break, go ahead and just break the racial barrier and, so that the church will look like heaven? Didn't, didn't Jesus say pray, thy kingdom come on earth? Amen. and I'm not pointing a guilty finger at anybody. I'm just saying that both sides have kept it that way because of power, because of power. And when God begins to move, it's amazing how he begins to break all the rules. <laughs> and so I was so blessed to, to sit under the teaching of a man who had, who had studied in the seminaries and who had gotten the degrees and after 19 years of ministry realized that's nothing. I, I can't take my degree. And I can't take all of my, all of my uh, uh, education that, that I got in the seminary and cast out one devil. Nobody taught him about authority. Nobody taught him about faith. Nobody taught him about the Holy Ghost. Nobody taught him about redemption. And he said after about five years after he got the Holy Ghost and began to learn the things of God, he said, I was almost mad, but he says, I was shocked at what they didn't teach me. Amen. Well, do you think the devil likes this information getting out? Absolutely, he does not. Because this takes away all of the ability of Satan to hold you in any kind of bondage. You see yourself as totally free. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. A denomination can't do that. A church can't do that. Jesus has already done it. Amen. Now, the the other that came out of the same school, they went the legalistic way that you have to obey a bunch of rules. Women don't cut their hair or wear makeup, all different kinds. And that, and that same, you know, many of them kind of bent toward a, what I would call a, 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 a spiritual or a Holy Spirit type ministry, but it wasn't nothing but bondage. And God's starting to wake them up. There's been two waves of revival that's gone through that group of people, the UPCs and all those, and it's woken a bunch of them up. And thank God it'll keep happening because one thing about those people, they have a heart for God. They want to find out what, what, what God is all about. Yeah. But it's amazing how, how so many that, that have been around the denomination. or uh, Catholicism, it's amazing how many Catholic priests got the baptism in the Holy Ghost and when they got it and saw the doctrine they were preaching and the doctrine of the Bible, they were shocked yeah. at what they were not told in seminary. Shocked at what the Bible says. Which is actually true in truth. So as we as we trans, uh, transition through this, keep an open mind and understand this. You didn't get this in your denominational church. They didn't give this to you. And here's the thing that God does. He takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So he doesn't raise up some great educated person. He raises up somebody like me, who's gone around this world, around the world, teaching this for thirty nine years now. And seeing the effect that it has even on nations, on whole nations. Because we've been involved in moves, moves of God that affect whole nations. Amen. Now, we, we studied all the things from creation and the old covenant and Abraham and, and David and all the things that, that, that got us to where we are now. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the virgin birth. Amen. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ revealing the nature of the Father. What, what, what is the will of God when it comes to salvation? What is the will of God when it comes to healing? What is the will of God when it comes to prosperity? What is the will of God? Well, Jesus forever established the will of God by truth. Everybody say truth. Now, you're going to have to understand. I've used this illustration many times, but you need to grasp this. What is truth? Everybody's searching for both the definition of truth and truth itself. Truth is a very simple force. It's not a fact. A fact is subject to change. The the weather may be rainy today, but it could be clear tomorrow. But it could be rainy the next day. See, there's always the element of a constant change running through facts. The fact is the doctor may tell you that you're sick, but the truth is the Bible says by his stripes you're healed. So there's this fact of life, but there's truth, the truth of the realm of the spirit realm or of the the reality of God. And truth is the words and the deeds of God that agree. So if God said for almost 4,000 years, I'm going to save you, I'm going to save you, I'm going to send a Redeemer, I'm going to send a Messiah, and never did it, then He wouldn't be a God of truth. But when Jesus came to the earth, He made this statement. He said, I am the way. Now listen, I am the truth. I am the life. He didn't say, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to give you life. He he said, no, 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 no. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the I am that was in that burning bush so many years ago. I am that same I am. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And he came to the earth to show us God's nature, God's loving kind benevolent and we only see God mad at religion you know jesus got angry in the in the, in the bible and took a took a whip and run a bunch of religious uh, religious uh, uh, merchandisers basically is what they were ran them out of the church amen ran them out of the temple so we looked at all the ministry of the lord jesus his miracles things that took place the concept of faith that he exposed by telling people go your way your faith is Faith is made. Of joy. Great is your faith. Your faith. I mean, he always anywhere there was faith, Jesus was happy. Amen. We saw that people got faith just by hearing about him. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, listen to me. Jesus was the living manifestation of the word of God as he walked upon the earth. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, in understanding who He is, this is God. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. Upon uh, upon a normal planet with a normal population He should be celebrated and and worshipped and and glorified And you should build Him cities and nations And and our God, our Creator is with us That's not what happened Because of the fall man had deteriorated Into slaves of the devil The nations, now listen to me The nations that had been risen up Now think about this You think about the Babylonians, the Assyrians. You you think about the Egyptians, the Philistines. All of the different ites, the Canaanites, all the different, you know, the Jebusites. All all of these nations, especially the world-dominating nations, the devil, Satan's behind all of that trying to create a world-governing domination body upon this earth in which he can rule in a way in which only God can rule. Amen. So upon this earth ever since creation, there there has been this, this, this pull, this back and forth of the righteousness of God and the iniquity of man. And Jesus born upon the earth. Now listen to me. The most innocent, the most righteous, the most pure. Bible says second, I like to say last Adam, there'll never be another. Nobody, nobody, nobody more innocent, nobody more pure, but nobody died on the earth a worse death than Jesus Christ himself died. So when you begin to study the beginnings of this process coming to its culmination, coming to its climax in the death, burial, resurrection, amen, But also the entrance into the holy city and the applying of His blood upon the mercy seat and He being seated at the right hand of the Father given a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every name in heaven, earth, and under the earth must bow at the mention of that name. Whoa. So here in Matthew 27, how's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Verse 1, let's just read here for a minute. It said, When morning was come all the chief priests and elders and the people took counsel against Jesus against Jesus to be put to death. Why would you put Jesus to death? Can you imagine that? The Creator comes and the creation crucifies Him. Now hold on, hold on. You'll get a, more, a little more happy about that in just a few minutes when they had bound him, they had taken him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Now, we talked about the nations, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, world-conquering nations, the devil behind all of them, just like Nazi Germany, communist Russia, communist China. It's the worst. It's, the dead. it's Satan. You got that? You say, well, what about America? Well, it's still of this world. It's not divine. The only divine nation upon the earth is the church. That's what it is. Amen. Thank God for America. Thank God we live here, but it's not a divine nation. Only the church is. The church is the only nation out of all the other nations of the world. America is a reflection of that, but only the church is the true family of God. You're not a Christian because you're born in America. You'd be amazed. Some people think they are. Amen. But here's the thing. Now you have Rome in control in the days of Jesus when Jesus walked upon the earth now what's unique about Rome being in control they're a world power they dominated the world they conquered the world now they're occupying the world but they're different than the Greeks or the Babylonians or the Assyrians because they did not just go in and rape and pillage and take everything that was worth anything back to a central location no they spread their armies out across the land and they felt like that they were truly Now listen to the word that they would use, evolving into the most modern society upon the the earth. All of the other empires had a head, one head, a dictator, usually a king or some type of potentate like that that ruled the entire thing. And families fought over that position. And if one family destroyed the other, then the other family took charge. But Rome was not like that. The Caesars ruled it, but there was also for the first time something called the Senate. Now the Senate was designed to give more power to the common person, but was never used for that. It was used for the same thing that it's used for today, to empower greedy men. Amen? But they felt like their their system of justice that they had implemented upon the earth was the most fair system of justice that had ever been upon the earth. See, Jesus actually got a trial. He would not have gotten a trial under the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, uh, any of the other ites or Canaanites. They, would, they just lopped his head off and gone on, you know, that would, no big deal. But what's unique about Rome is Rome considered themselves civilized. The first modern nation. So we had courts and we had judges and we had had rulers of cities and rulers of areas and rulers of regions. And they would actually carry out the dictates of Rome or of Caesar from Rome in those areas and they would render justice based on that. Amen. And what's unique about that is this. The most just nation ever upon the earth up until that time. Its it's representative in Pontius Pilate declared Jesus spotless three times. I find no fault with him. I find no fault with him. I find no fault with him. He kept saying it. He kept saying it. His wife warned him. Now listen, as we go through, I'm using Matthew kind of as a little little template, but we're going to mention some of the other Gospels also because it's combined in all the Gospels. Actually, that's this drama that's being acted out. So you got the most innocent man in the world. Let me say that like this. You've got the most innocent man the world ever knew. And you got the most, you got the most civilized nation there had been up until that point. You'd figure there'd be some justice. But in steps religion. I said, but in steps religion. And religion, when it steps in, I guarantee you it could get ugly. But when it comes to this incident, you must understand that there was only one group of people on the planet Earth that had right to offer this man. And that was those men that were doing it, the Sanhedrin, the Levites. They were the ones that had the right to offer the spotless lamb. So see this whole drama that's being played out the Bible says later if the princes of the world if the devils of the world if the rulers uh, in wicked places of the world would have known they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. What What a planner God is. And he said he planned this from the foundations of the world. So you have Pilate and he's bewildered. He hears the stories of the miracles. His wife is telling him, I had bad dreams. I was disturbed in my mind. I mean, all of this is, is hitting him. And he's thinking, how do I render justice? And finally he goes over and just takes and washes his hands. And he says, I'm free of the blood of this man. Do what you want to. And the leaders of Israel said, that his blood will be upon our heads. Now you see the reason for Jacob's troubles. Amen. So, here he stands in front of Pilate. Now we know, according to Isaiah 53, we may get there, we may not, that this began something in the unseen realm. That's why we're here tonight. Not so much of what was going on in the seen realm, but what was going on behind the scenes. What was going on in the spirit realm. Because this began the process of an acclamation. Everybody say acclamation. If I were to go through here and I wanted to see everybody's driver's license, I'd say, take out your driver's license, hold them up. I'm going to come by and I'm going to gather them up. Then I'm going to look at them and I'll hand them back out. Y'all would all hold them up and I would walk by and I would accumulate everybody's driver's license. Look at them, give them all back. Amen? That means that you go out and you take or you gather. So he begins the process, now listen to me, of accumulating... Everything wrong with the human experience, from birth to death, everything in between—the sin issue, the sickness issue, the poverty issue—every issue of fallen human, uh, fallen human, uh, the fallen human experience. Jesus begins to accumulate or to bring this upon Himself. You say, "Now, how can He do that?" Because He's God, and this is the plan of God. So we know Isaiah 53, and we'll go read it in just a moment, but I'll quote this part. It says, He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. By His stripes we are healed. So as He begins to be tortured, as He begins to be bruised, as He begins to suffer, He begins to accumulate all of humanity's suffering. The most innocent, the most pure, The most precious. And he does it because of the Father's intense love for you. It begins, his suffering and his rejection begins at the Last Supper. When Judas Iscariot, for the price of a slave, sold Jesus out. And Jesus began to suffer rejection. Now listen to me. He was rejected by his disciples. He was rejected by his nation. He was rejected by his religion. He was rejected by his God. He cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Listen, if you've ever suffered rejection or pain or anything because you thought people had thought of you less than what you think of yourself, you need to understand there is one that took rejection that you know nothing about. And because he took that rejection, you can be free of anything that ever has messed your life up. You can make a decision. I'm a new creature in Christ. And all that pain and all that rejection and all that confusion of my past, I'm going to lay it at the foot of the cross and I'm not going to pick that up anymore. It's not mine. Jesus died so that I don't have to be rejected. So he's suffering rejection. And rejection is painful for anybody. But then he goes into the garden. We know the significance of the Last Supper, the establishment of the breaking of His body, which destroys the power of Satan over us, happens on the cross. Secondly, He talks about the blood in which He will establish the new covenant and purchase the church with. Amen. Then He goes out to the the Garden of, of Gethsemane, the Garden of the Olive Press, literally what it means, where they press the olives, where harvest takes place. And he gets down on his knees and he begins to pray. And the Bible says he begins to sweat as it were great drops of blood. That is a physical condition they tell you about when the stress of a human being gets to such a high level that all the capillaries and blood capillaries around the forehead and around the temple begin to burst and blood begins to run down your face. And Jesus said, Lord, if you will, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't talking about the cross. He was praying about not dying that night. Why would he have died? Because he was taking your sin, your iniquity, and your unrighteousness upon his life. He was saying, Lord, don't let me die yet. I'm not ready to die yet. I don't have it all. I don't have it all. I don't have it all. So we know he stood before that judgment seat. He took our judgment and they offered a criminal, a murderer named Barabbas in his steed. And the the crowd chose Barabbas. The exchange had begun. The criminal for the righteous, the just for the unjust, the healed for the sick, the sinful for the righteous. It, it, listen, when you begin to see the scope of it, this, listen, this is why many of the doctrines of deliverance you can't get near. You say, why? Because it refutes that. There's something wrong with you. You have a curse upon your life. You, you need this. Or you, no, no, Jesus' ministry was complete and whole. And if it doesn't work, then I'm a phony. Because if anybody was bound, it was me. And what delivered me was the word of God and the reality of what God himself has done for me in Christ Jesus. So overwhelmed me, I realized there ain't no devil, there ain't no demon, there ain't no habit, there ain't no mindset, there ain't nothing on this earth that can bind me again because Jesus has set me free. He began to take it. They mocked him. They beat him. I don't think I ever heard a, a description more powerful than Pastor Christopher Alam's, as they, he talked about the suffering. The Bible says we should fellowship in that suffering. We could see that suffering. He was taking our sickness, our sin, our unrighteousness, our poverty, everything that was wrong with us, every wicked act we've ever done. Isaiah saw it. He said he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. John the Revelator said, For this reason was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works of the devil. We had to accumulate them first. So as they began to torture him, he pulled out his beard, blindfolded him, and beat him and bruised him. Took a cat of nine tails. The Bible says they plowed my back. That's what the psalmist said. Beat his back into a bloody pulp. They placed a crown of thorns upon his head. The thorns upon his head. Literally Jesus was saying, put the curse on me. Because the Bible says when man sinned, a curse came upon the earth and thorns began to grow. He was saying, put the curse on me. And they pushed that crown down upon his head and the thorns went into his head and the blood began to run down his face. Could you imagine the horror of people like Mary and Mary of Magdalene and people that loved him with all of their heart that did not abandon him but walked with him down the the Via Della Rosa, and walked with him up to Golgotha's Hill and saw the blood run and saw the horror and the terror of it. But the drama that was being played out was the love of God in manifestation. For God so loved the world that he gave. That was a sacrifice that God gave. He stretched his hands upon a cross. One of the most cruelest deaths upon the earth is death through asphyxiation. That's what the cross was designed to do. They would, they would position you. Those Roman uh, executioners had become so proficient because they had crucified thousands and thousands of people and they knew just how to cock the knees and just how to place the feet one on top of another and how to drive a nail right through the two bones in the hand where every time you breathe, you've got to pull up on that cross and breathe and every breath is more painful than the next. But most of them did not have to do it with their back beat to a pulp and their bodies beaten and bruised to where you couldn't even recognize it was a man. But upon that cross, something spiritual began to happen. Isaiah 52 says, His vestige or the vision of Him became so marred you could not tell He was a man upon the cross. You say, why not? Because He was wounded for our transgressions. Every act of sin you ever committed, everything you ever stole, every lie you ever took, everything you ever done that is nothing but sin and breaking the laws of God, Jesus took it upon Himself. Then it says he was bruised. Wound is outward. Wound is a cut in the skin. Wound is outward. Bruised, that's inward. He was bruised for our iniquity. That is the motivation to break the law of God. Every man and woman on the earth is born with that iniquity inherent in them through the sin of Adam and the woman. But Jesus allowed himself to be inwardly bruised over and over and over and over till every motivating force of sin was on him. As all of that when the Roman lictor striped his back he accumulated every disease. Cancer, arthritis, diabetes. People who study medicine years ago I heard a doctor say this. I don't know how true it is today. Maybe they've studied some more. But they said every disease can be lit, listed in one of 39 classifications. Diseases of the eyes, diseases of the stomach, diseases of the mind, all 39 classifications. Jesus took every disease and then it says in Deuteronomy, "And every disease that is not written or revealed in this book." He also took that. And as he hung upon that cross, with his blood dripping to the ground, suffering like no man had ever suffered. Satan saw something. What did he see? He saw sin. And where Satan sees sin, he knows it produces death. This is where the princes of this world made their mistake. As they looked upon Jesus and saw the sin and didn't judge you and I, but judged Him. And when he judged Jesus, when the Father judged the sin that was upon Jesus, Satan said, I got him. Come on, death. See, he'd have never died. He'd have never died. He'd have never bled to death. The wounds on his back would not have killed him. He would not have asphyxiated upon the cross because death is not physical. Death is spiritual. But when Satan looked in the spirit realm, and saw that iniquity, and saw that sin, he said, that's mine, that's mine. That is what I use to separate men from God, women from God, that iniquity and that trespass. If I can keep in them iniquity and keep them committing trespass, I have them forever. They're mine. They're, they're my slaves. They'll, 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 they'll suffer with me, and they'll receive my reward. That's when Jesus cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know the answer to that? One word. One word. Why hast thou forsaken me? One word. You. You. Me. That's why God forsook him. Because it was your sin, it was my sin, and it was our punishment to have. God said, no, I love him. Jesus said, it is finished. What was finished? The old covenant wasn't finished. The, The veil still had to be rent. Mary Magdalene could not reach out and touch him. He had not offered his blood. What was finished? He took it all. He took it all. All the rejection. All the sin. All the iniquity, all the pain. Everything this earth has suffered with for 6,000 years under the pain of sin and unrighteousness and an evil, wicked being that hates God. You know, I listened to a minister today. I'll close with this. This is kind of interesting. He was talking about a couple of incidences in which little babies, when they had just learned to talk, this is in Christian homes. We don't claim these children were born again or anything, but they're certainly innocent. His message was on how, how when you're born, you're so close to God, you're innocent. And there's a closeness there. And how, how one of the children had jumped up on the crib of another child that had only been born, was only three or four months, and started saying to that child, I have forgotten what his face looks like. Well, what in the world was he talking about? He was talking about being close to God. See, anytime. time... The devil wants to hurt God. He goes after the young. That's what he does. But see, we're not not unwise of the tactics of the enemy. And we're we're also not unwise of the victory that God has given us in Christ. And when someone tries to tell you that there's something incomplete in your salvation, now you listen to me very carefully. That there's something incomplete in your salvation. You need to look at them and say, I do not believe that at all. When I got saved, I got saved all the way. I ain't got no demons. I ain't got no devils. I may have some fights in my life, but there ain't nothing in me other than the glory and the righteousness of my God that has been given to me in Christ Jesus. Don't fall for sensationalism. Don't fall for all that other stuff and recognize you are a very dangerous being upon this earth to this world system. They talk about in the political realm. If you, if you believe in, in, you know, in, a, in a stolen election, if you believe in this, then you're a criminal. or you're the, That makes no difference. In the spirit realm, when God sees you, he sees one of his glorious children prepared and equipped just like his son Jesus, washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, empowered by the Word and by the Holy Ghost, who is more than a conqueror, who has the dominance over the devil, who's been set on the earth for such a time as this to live out this glorious redemptive truth and demonstrate the power of God in our lives and to the world. No wonder the devil fights and fights and fights and fights and fights. But Jesus took it all. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, each and every one of us to his own way. But the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Wow. So much the world tries to do. When I say the world, I mean the system of this world. If you notice, everything has become perverted. Education is perverted. Government is perverted. Medicine is converted. I mean, perverted. I wish it was converted. I wish it all was converted. But it's all perverted. Uh, uh, Finance, the the the, you know finance. Well, that's all perverted. Amen. The only thing that's left on the earth that's true, right, righteous, and holy is Jesus. Is Jesus? And so, the more we learn about Him, and the more His revelation grows on the inside of it, the more precious He becomes to you. I think what impressed me as a child growing up is I never loved God back then like the people my pastors, my parents, my grandparents, like the people that knew him more than I, that impressed me. Even even in the years that I was backslid, that they would think so much of God that no matter what they were going through, they would still lean on him. Amen? There is is a, a, a safety for these last days in the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the last book of the Bible is the book Revelation and it is what? A revelation of Jesus. Because God is screaming at us. Keep your eyes on Him. Stay fixed on Him. I feel like we are the generation out of the boat. And we have two choices. We can look at the wind or the waves or we can keep our eyes on Him. Because every time we look at the wind and the waves, we're going to sink. But if we keep our eyes on Him, no matter how rough the water gets, we're going to be able to walk it out. Amen. Lift your hands and thank Him. Father, we thank You. Now, Lord, we thank You for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom the world is crucified unto us and us unto the world. His cross is our cross. He accumulated all that was wrong with us. He bore it away. Provided for the human family. A way in which there was no way. Now, Father, in these last days, we remind you of the glory of what you did. The glory of what you did sits right next to you. The glory of what you did abides in our hearts. We are the fruit of the glory of what you did, Lord. We are the harvest. Now, Lord, all those that are in heaven are loved ones, our friends, our family. They're your harvest in the barn. We're your harvest on earth. We worship you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for healing power. Thank you for the message of the You said unto them that are perished, it was absolute foolishness. But uh, uh, unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, stand on your feet this evening. Hallelujah. You love the Lord? We're glad you came to church. Hallelujah. Now we'll take and pick it up in Isaiah 53 next week. And continue digging into this it'll it'll take us three four maybe five weeks to get through from the cross to the throne because there's so much there but you'll see that everything that God wanted to do in a man he did in Christ therefore you don't have to go through that because he did now you're identified in him through the new birth so you share in every blessing of inheritance he secured through his death, burial, and resurrection. All you have to do is read the will and act upon it. It's that simple. Just read the will and act upon it. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for what you did for us. At a place in time upon this planet, you suffered for us. You died for us. You gave us death You removed its enemy status and used it as a pathway to hell itself in which your awakening in the region of the (laughs) damned ensured the defeat of the adversary of man and made heaven our home and placed you upon the throne. (laughs) Glory to God. Now you reign victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And you live in the lives of believers in whom you came to save. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now we rejoice in your love. We receive your grace and your mercy. Your might and your power of your presence we're so thirsty. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your protection and safety. We claim Psalms 91. No evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh. us. angels have charge on us. In our travels, in the everyday activity, thank you you give us peace with the animals of the field. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we're kept by you in these last days. Stir our hearts with the fire and the fervor of these last days. Let it erupt on the inside of us. Let us bear one another's burdens in the Lord. Let us cover one another with love. Let us walk soberly. Let us watch and pray and be forever ready so that we will hear, hear the shout of an archangel, the trump when it sounds. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Father. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We, we love you so much. <laughs> We love you. We give you everything. Everything is yours. It's all yours. We walk in love toward each other. Thank you that you've given us to each other to serve out this life with on the earth to live forever in eternity. Thank you, Father, as we leave tonight. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, for a glorious church. That here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, powered by the Word, anointed by the heart.